Hello, everybody. Welcome to Solid Steps Radio. My name is Chad Russell, and that is Kurt Souter, and he's with Further Still Ministries. And this little show we've been doing now for almost 10 years, we decided we wanted to do a show for men by men, talking about things from a man's perspective, because guys are really good at talking about sports, weather, and politics. We laugh because we, we talk surface-level things on a lot of stuff, but when we start going into deeper issues, and we believe the most deepest issue is who you, who you are or what you have done with the person of Jesus Christ. Have you put your faith and trust in him as your Lord and Savior? If you have not, then your identity of a man or woman, for that matter, has not been fulfilled by God's design. Now, I always say that in the intro, sports, weather, and politics. But today's show, we're actually going to venture into one of those three, which if you ask somebody, what do you never talk about in public, right? You've been told by your grandparents and that generation or different generations, there's two things you don't talk about, religion and politics. And I heard a very wise man say, because we have not talked about those two things, everything seems to be going sideways because we have not talked about religion, i.e. God, and we have not talked about politics in a proper way. Well, today, we're bringing in the expert, and we're going to talk about politics from a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview. Can that coexist? Some people are hearing this and going, you know what? I'm done with politics. Forget it. But we're going to hear a stat today that about half the people who could vote, vote during major elections. So if you hear nothing else in this podcast, only half the people who should vote or who can vote will vote. Is that you and why you should vote for any upcoming election? So listeners, I'm going to introduce uh, John Hodgson. And John, it's great to have you back on the show, man. Thanks, Kurt. Great to be here. It's, uh, uh, I've been looking forward to this because you have studied, you have researched. Now, you have not always, you know, we, we talk about politics, but really this is really about government. Yes. And we, we, we kind of look at government with a, kind of a, maybe a skeptical look. But from the very beginning of time, speak into biblically, theologically, um, government. Well, God is the author of government. Men screwed it up and created <laughs> politics. But, uh, you know, God put Adam in the Garden of Eden and gave him dominion over it, told him, you're in charge, run the place. Uh, as we know, Adam got passive and messed some things up. But all through the Bible, you know, Abraham was a leader of his tribe. He had hundreds of people under his command. That, that was the tribal government was the form of government at that time. Um Moses was a leader. He was an uh, assistant governor in Egypt, uh, led a nation of millions of people. He established the laws and uh, the judicial system for the nation of Israel. Uh, Daniel was number two in the kingdom of, uh, of Babylon. He was uh, in politics. He was in politics, yeah. <laughs> he was in government. Uh, you know, a little less poli- the politics are a little different in a monarchy but because uh, people don't get to vote. But um, he was in government, and God established government. And government is for the purpose of punishing evildoers, protecting your nation and punishing evildoers. And as a Christian, you should be governing yourself as the Holy Spirit tells you, you know, don't rob, don't steal, don't murder. But for those who will not govern themselves, the government has to step in with the sword. The government, uh, I believe the New Testament says that uh, the government doesn't bear the sword for nothing. You know, they're there for your protection, for the punishment of evildoers. Sometimes government goes wrong, and they become, you know, use the sword against the wrong people, uh, against the innocent people. But for the most part, throughout world history, uh, people depend on the government to protect them from hostile nations and to protect their own populace from violent crime. 
And that's why, because you, you have not been involved in government and politics until fairly, I mean, until recently. Um, is that fair? Yes. I mean, I had a you know full career in the private sector, retired from UPS Airlines after 32 years, but I've had, a, had an interest in politics and a little bit of grassroots stuff, a little bit of the last 10 or 15 years. But, you know, I, I worked in state government for four years under the previous governor and had my eyes open to a lot of things. And then I just ran for election myself last year, got elected in November, and I'm now just in my first year of service. I'm a freshman. You're a freshman. So, I mean, what was the, what was the itch that you were trying to scratch? Well, the itch that I was trying to scratch, I think I, I had some goals for what I wanted my retired life to be like in my 60s. And I thought about, man, I want to get more involved in church. I want to travel. I want to go to lunch with my friends uh, and some things like that. Guess what I couldn't do in 2020 because of <laughs> the current governor. I couldn't travel because we weren't allowed to cross interstate lines, which was illegal. I couldn't go to church because the churches were shutting down and, and the uh, governor had ordered the state police to take down the license number of of worshipers on Easter Sunday, and I couldn't go to lunch with my friends because the restaurants were shut down. So I was hoping to live a quiet, retired life, but the left doesn't let you do that. They need to intrude in your life in every possible way until you had to live. So the restoration of those liberties has taken us multiple federal lawsuits, multiple acts of the legislature, multiple acts of protest and rebellion to recover the rights that have been ours from the beginning, the right to freely assemble, the right to travel, the right to exercise your religion. Uh, the right to, you know, operate your business. I don't think most people understand that those things were taken from us as much as they they were. Yes, they absolutely were. There, there was a loophole in Kentucky law that allowed the governor to declare an emergency and usurp powers from the courts and the legislature. And in the early days of that COVID emergency, uh, he basically shut down the courts. Said it's too dangerous to have court, so we got no courts to appeal to. The legislature pretty quickly was out of session and couldn't counter the governor's emergency powers because they can only be in session from January through through the end of March, basically. And uh, so we were stuck. And in order to get relief on Easter Sunday, we had to go to a federal judge, appeal to the U.S. Constitution and say, is it okay for this guy to tell us we can't go to church on Easter Sunday? And if we do, the police are going to take down our license numbers and, and uh, take some punishment action on us. And the federal judge said, no, that's crazy. It struck that down. Uh, we then had our interstate travel privileges revoked. If you're not supposed to be allowed to go to Ohio or Indiana or Tennessee, <clears throat> they went to the federal government <coughs> Excuse me, with a lawsuit to get that reversed. So over and over again, the illegal unconstitutional actions of the current governor were overturned by the federal courts. And then the legislature, when they finally came back into session in January, passed a lot of limitations on that governor that we're not going to play this emergency game anymore. If you see an emergency, you know, tornado, flood, invasion, you've got temporary right for emergency powers, but if it goes over 30 days, you have to call the legislature back into session to say it's okay. So it puts some limits on the damage that can be be caused by those emergency proclamations. They say in, in uh, ancient Rome, the, uh, the Caesars would get dictatorial powers when the, the Republic was in the state of an emergency. And that's actually where the word dictator came from. But amazingly, once they got a taste of those emergency powers, they didn't want to come back. So they always saw an emergency. <laughs> Everything <laughs> became an emergency. emergency. And then eventually dissolved the Senate. And, you know, the emperor was it. And the emperor not, was not just the head of the government. The emperor became God. So, and that is, that is the path we're always on. Men try to accumulate power for themselves. 
until they run everything. And then the only thing left to them is they need to become the deity themselves. Wow. So, John, so you, I mean, because of all of this, you decided I'm, I'm going to run. I'm going to become a... Go. Yeah, sitting on the couch was really no longer an option. <laughs> and you, there became a fire within you. Yes. And I, we had, like I say, I'd worked for the previous governor. We'd met a lot of great gains. We had cut 10% out of state government, cut 10% of the employees out, providing better service, making a lot of progress with regulation and freedom. And... Um, that governor's second term never happened. <laughs> and then I watched the new governor come in and undo a lot of the reforms that we'd done, uh, you know, do some things that I would consider uh, unconstitutional, corrupt. And we had to put a stop to that. And so I wanted to become part of the legislature that would put those brakes on. We do have three branches of government, the judicial, the executive, and the legislative. And I wanted to be part of the legislative branch and put the brakes on the executive. And I think we did and continue to do so. Speaking, uh, you know, speaking truth, speaking light, speaking life into the legislator, uh, legislative uh, branch, and that's a po- that's a powerful thing. Yeah, there's there's a lot of great people that have been elected for similar reasons in the last few years. In fact, people, you talk about term limits. Eighty two percent of the legislature has been newly elected since 2016. You know, there's only 18 people that are, you know, long timers in there. Wow. And uh, so a lot of that new blood has similar motivations to me. They are people of faith. They are people that want small government, people that want lower taxes. They want the government, you know, to step back. Just let us live our lives. Do what you're supposed to do. Do what you're supposed to do. But back off on all this other stuff. Right, right. Um, Talk to us. Your mom said, gave you a quote, and she said, John, you need to stay away from politics. Stay away from politics. Politics is dirty. and. (laughs) I thought about that and I said, well, you know, that's right. But if good people stay away from politics, is politics going to get dirtier or cleaner? It's going to get dirtier. So, you know, I guess I've jumped in the pig pen with them now. (laughs) We're going to take a break, come back. And when you hear about elections, there's really two that come to mind. It's the president and the governor. That's really what affects people in your area. And we're going to talk a little bit about the governor's race and why it's important to vote for the governor and what a governor's role is here on Solid Step 3. Ellen and Credit Union has been around the Louisville, Kentuckiana area for decades. They can help you with every financial need that you have, whether it's personal, commercial, you need a home loan, car loan, Ellen and Credit Union can take care of you and all of your financial needs. Bright Star Home Care, if you have someone that you love and care for that needs in-home care, whether they need one visit a week or they need 24-7 care, Bright Star Home Care is your very first contact to start that process and find out what's best for you and your loved one. We also want to thank podloo.com. That's Louisville Podcast Studios. If you want to do a professional-sounding podcast or videocast, you want to look and sound great, Louisville Podcast Studios is your contact. Go to podloo.com. That's P-O-D-L-O-U.com. So in our first segment, we talked our guest John made a great uh, quote that he said that God created government, but man created politics. <laughs> so John, talk to why in the world um, should we Christians vote, especially in this governor's race? 
Well, governor is a very powerful position in Kentucky. You're running a state budget that's around $30 billion. There's 30,000 employees that are under your control. Uh, you as the governor appoint the 800 highest level you know, directors, commissioners, secretaries over those 30,000 employees. And that's almost everybody you deal with in state government. Uh, so, you know, if you, unemployment insurance, getting a driver's license, getting, uh, you know, a license plate, you know, getting a permit for your swimming pool, you know, all those things are state government. Those are, uh, those agencies create regulation. Uh, a small government uh, governor can create streamlined regulation. A big government governor can create nightmares like the, uh, you know, a new swimming pool regulation that's forced some cool pools to shut down because they don't have a sufficient number of lifeguards per square foot. Uh, you know, crazy things like that. Um, they also uh, they pass out uh, a lot of federal money in terms of, uh, you know, food stamps, welfare, Medicaid. Um, big government people want to continuously expand those roles. Small government governors want to shrink that. Um, we are, our Commonwealth is about $60 billion in debt and uh, pensions. And uh, we need to stop digging that hole. And uh, we're kind of on a path to correcting that. But we have, we have a, actually, one saving grace, we do have a balanced budget com, uh, amendment in Kentucky. We cannot spend more than we take in. But we got to be very careful what we spend. We need to cut what we're spending so we can keep making the high payments to the pension funds that we're $60 billion in debt for. And so governor controls all that. The governor appoints the board of elections that oversees elections in the Commonwealth, the Governor appoints the Board of Education that selects the state education commissioner. The governor appoints the adjutant general of the National Guard who will determine uh, where our soldiers go in time of crisis. The governor, governor appoints the head of the Kentucky State Police that uh, a few Easter's ago <laughs> violated their oath and tried to stop people from going to church. So all those things are under governor's control, and those appointments last for four years typically. So it's very, very important who sits in that chair and what their values are. Yeah. And so, you know, your values come out, you're, you're going to, wh- whatever you're thinking, whatever you believe, whatever you embrace, that's going to come out and it's going to come out in the way you uh, address public policy and w- how you govern. Yes. And, uh, you know, some, some very basic things I think govern that, you know, do you believe that there's a creator or are we an accidental collection of atoms? Uh, that's a, a bifurcation in the political world. Uh, if you believe that we're just a random collection of atoms, then human life has no value. And, uh, you know, handicapped individuals have no value. And you believe in abortion. You believe in euthanasia. You believe that certain people don't have a right to live anymore. Um, if you believe <clears throat> that there is a creator and they were created in his image, then human beings do have inestimable value. And, uh, you know, human life needs to be, especially innocent human life, needs to be protected. And downward from that flows almost everything. Uh, our founders believed in something called natural law, which would be basically that there is a creator God. It's not me. Um, you know, there, there's an afterlife where men will be recompensed for their good and evil deeds on the earth. And you better live rightly and you better, uh, you know, when you swear to uphold the Constitution, so help me God, there's a reason for that. You know, you're swearing to the deity that you're going to have to face in the afterlife. And that's been the basis for Western civilization, if you take away that notion of a God, take away that notion of an afterlife, take away that notion of natural law and right and wrong, then you start looking like San Francisco. So I, I've always said that um, it's a top button issue. And what I mean by that is, is you've got a, a, a button down shirt and the top button, if you get that button right. And to me, the, that top button is that God is God and we, he's the creator, we're the creation. And we don't get, a, we don't get to determine who lives and who dies. That's exactly. that's him, right? The Lord God, 
And if we can miss, if we miss that, the sanctity of life, um, then we're gonna we're gonna miss the sanctity of marriage. We're gonna miss the sanctity of free speech. We're, I mean, just all of those things follow down the pathway. And even above that, somebody's got to be God. God is that which cannot be questioned. Okay, so plenty of leaders throughout history, government leaders, decided not only were they the leader of the government, they were God, and people needed to worship them. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar thought that. The Caesars in Rome thought that. Hitler thought that. You know, they become a deity until them until themselves. Talk to uh, you mentioned education. Um, there's just been a a plethora of movement of pornography and garbage coming into our school systems. Uh, talk to our listeners about that. Yes, I, the National Education Association is probably the l- most left-leaning prominent organization in the United States, and they've been pushing that garbage for decades. Um, you know, some of them are openly communist, uh, openly atheist, uh, you know, open to all kinds of perversion. And they've been pushing that through school libraries and through schools for a long time. What happened in Kentucky is parents, because of COVID, were watching the kids do distance learning and started seeing what was happening in the classroom and started paying attention closely for perhaps the first time in many years and said, wait, what's this? This is pornographic. This is sexually explicit material. This is a, you know, a, a sexual how-to manual. I don't want my elementary school student exposed to this. And they went to go try to talk to the school boards about their concern and what the school board do. Tried to throw them out of the meeting and got them put on the FBI terrorist watch list. You know, so, uh, you know, parents became a terror, a terror watch group by the FBI. So the, they, the left firmly believes that students are the property of the state, not the parents. And I think the governor of uh, Virginia that recently, the governor candidate that lost, said that openly before the election a couple of years back and, and got shellacked. And the guy that said, no, the parents are responsible for the students, not the, not the state, that guy won. So talk to our, our, our two candidates right now in the state of Kentucky. Um, talk about that. So one of those candidates clearly believes that it's the parents' responsibility for the upbringing of their children. You should determine what, you know, their, what religious things they're taught, what moral things that they're taught, and the school needs to teach you how to read and write and do math. And right now we're failing miserably at that. You know, a third of our students cannot read. If you can't read by fourth grade, your chances of being incarcerated as an adult are greater than your chances of, uh, of having a job. So that's because uh, the reading is the pathway to the learning for the rest of your life. Okay. And if you haven't got it by fourth grade, something is going wrong. And unless you get some severe intervention, you're not going to be able to read when you graduate like a third of our students can't. And you're, they talk about the school to prison pipeline. Well, you're on it in fourth grade if you can't read. And we are grossly negligently failing now, when you the say can't read, problem. they just can't read at the level they're supposed to read at, or find that more functionally illiterate. Yeah. Okay. And in terms of reading at grade level, it's closer to half, yeah. or not there. But uh, and so we we've got people who are in office who are promoting all this sexual perversion stuff, but we're not teaching the basics of right. reading. Right. Unpack yeah. that a little yeah, bit just, more. You know, basic things like phonics, like sounding out words that you don't know. Um, you know, we're not, we should be focused almost exclusively on reading, writing, and arithmetic in the first four or five years of school, because that's the gateway to everything else that you're going to learn. Instead, they're being taught that men can have babies. Uh, they're being taught that, you know, that gender is randomly assigned at birth, uh, you know, crazy things like that. And you've got elementary school kids going, I don't want to know about this. 
you know, we've had, because that is being inserted into our classrooms, we see it's become kind of a social contagion. Um, whereas, uh, you know, four or five girls in the same elementary school class will all decide that they're transgender one day. You know, well, that's not statistically likely unless it is a social contagion. And uh, because they're being exposed to all this uh, sexualized material, all this question, you know, are you a boy or a girl? Teachers saying, well, what are you? You know, let's do some exercises to help you decide if you're a boy or a girl. Uh, the, the education commissioner that was appointed by the current governor told teachers that if they had a problem with that transgender agenda, they needed to go find the new job. That's the commissioner of education in Kentucky. He just recently left, thank goodness. Um, but that was his message to teachers. And there's plenty of teachers that have solid values, do not want to teach this stuff to kids. But they were being told, if you don't support that agenda, you need to find another job. Now, when he left, he used to, was it a he or she? I don't know. It was a he. Did he leave on his own terms, or was he asked to leave? or how, What was this? I think he probably saw the writing on the wall and got a better job in a more liberal state up north. Gotcha. But I think it's going to be challenging to get a replacement, certainly not before the election, but uh, that education commissioner has to be uh, ratified by the Senate. So Senate's kind of put him on notice that, you better come in with somebody better than that. <laughs> so, so, I mean, the governor appointed this person. The governor appoints all the school board members who then appoint the commissioner of education. And the Senate has to, has to ratify it. But, but, yes, the governor's hands were all over that. And in fact, the current governor fired all of the members of the Board of Education as his first act in office in 2019, which was illegal, by the way. But he did it, got away with it, and... Um, put his own board in there that then hired this commissioner that's bringing all this smut and all this filth yep wow and i've been to the hearings i've been to the debates trying to say you're not even allowed as a parent to read the books that are in the library because it's considered obscene and you can't see it at a public meeting but our elementary school kids have access to read that we're going to take a break be back shortly on solid steps radio Iroquois Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. Dr. Eric Veal has been a sponsor of our show since the beginning. If you need your teeth cleaned, overall dental health, Dr. Eric Veal can take care of you. He's got two locations in the Louisville area, one in Iroquois Park area, and then the other in eastern Jefferson County. That's Iroquois Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. And Frank Enterprises, they are a professional septic tank landscaping and wastewater management company. If you have water outside your house that's not going where it's supposed to go, or you have septic tank issues or any landscaping needs, Frank Enterprises can take care of you. Their years of experience will come through, and you will be thankful you called them. So we're talking today about the the last two segments. We've actually talked about the role of governor in a state and how important it is and why it's important for people to get out and vote. So, John, Proverbs 14, uh, verse 34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. And I I think if you ask almost anybody across the country, um, we're here in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, but uh, just across, you know, across the country, are we, are we growing in righteousness and purity and holiness before God, or are we tanking? Well, I think we're heading the wrong way, <laughs> Kurt, but I, I hope the rebound is coming soon. But 
our founders who were steeped in religious practice of the day of the 1700s, they said that our constitution was written for a moral and religious people and it is unfit for the governance of any other. The idea there was that people, because of their religious conviction, because of their morals, they would self-regulate. They would, uh, you know, their, their religious face would, would tell them you don't need to be raping and murdering and robbing. Uh, those are bad things. And if you do those things that you will be recompensed on the afterlife for your evil deeds. So you better not do that. Um, and in, in more modern times, they've said that absent that self-control, you can't hire enough police to enforce the law. You know, now totalitarian governments eventually enforce the law because they, you know, chop your hand off if you steal and, you know, execute you for more severe crimes or for political misspeech. But eventually they get law and order. Uh, that's not the way I want to achieve law and order. If we want to have a free country, there is no free country absent the morals of individuals. If people, you know, if we want a free country, we have to regulate ourselves. We have to, you know, have, have some morals, have some religion. There um, is a right, there is a wrong. There's a wrong. And, uh, you know, pre-existing Christianity, Judaism, you know, before Abraham, you know, God said to the world a few things, you know, don't take innocent life. I'm the creator. You're not, you know, take dominion. Here's how the world should be set up. And the founders all understood that. And uh, that's why they talk a lot about natural law. That's, uh, you know, the first part of the Declaration of Independence, about our creator endowing us with, with natural rights among these life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Talk to our listeners about sometimes we we allow a personality um, to help dict uh, help our uh, as we judge rather than policy. Speak into that. So, if you were in a car wreck today and you were horribly mangled, would you want to get the surgeon who was nice or the surgeon that made it a plus in medical school? <laughs> so. You know, I think you should think the same thing about, you know, governor and president. You know, do you want the person who's telegenic and uh, just seems like a nice guy sometimes? But that shouldn't be your only, only criteria. You need the one that knows how to how to govern well, the one that will govern morally, the one that will govern by, by right principles. And uh, will not take away your liberty to practice your faith and to raise your family and to enjoy your freedom. And uh, the world is full of people who are ready to take those things away, including those in politics and those in our own government. And we have to continually be vigilant and fight back against those things. We, we either have a participatory democracy here where everybody's involved or we will be ruled by someone else. And, and that's why it's so important. Listener, if you are out there, make sure not only that you vote, but your, your family members, get them to vote get your friends to vote, get your neighbors to vote, um, and engage. Because there's people who gave up their life so right. that we could have freedom. Exactly right. Tom, did you say, you said in the beginning of the show, I mentioned it, about the turnout. What, what, what do turnouts look like in major elections? Yeah, so turnout for this governor election is expected to be in the range of 40 to 45%. So more than half the people that could vote are just going to choose to stay home and let everybody else decide for them. Um, you know, it's like if you want your, your guy to win, it's like showing up for a football game with nine players. You know, you just can't do that. You've got to, your team has to show up for the game. And because one of the, one of my favorite sayings is if you're not doing politics, politics is being done to you. And, uh, you, you better show up and ready to play the game or someone else is going to do politics to you and you may not like it. Wow. Listeners, I want to encourage you, make sure that you go vote and not just vote, 
but vote for someone who, or righteousness exalts a nation. There are candidates who, there's nobody perfect, and there's going to be not anybody who's going to agree with you completely and, you know, 100% across the board, but they they vote for life. Their policies are, are, are life, are proper education, are for public safety. And I was going to have you lean in on that, um, public safety, for just a minute here, John. Sure. Um, there's a trend that's been taking America, starting on the West Coast, but for the last 30 or 40 years, about leniency. Uh, the idea that people are not responsible for their actions if they're, you know, assaulting, raping, murdering, stealing. They're doing that just because of conditions or they're uh, something beyond their control. Well, I think that's antithetical to what the Bible teaches, that your people are accountable for their own actions, and poverty does not make you a murderer. Uh, you know, killing someone makes you a murderer, <laughs> but poverty does not. And, uh, and I think this because of that, we've evolved some things uh, where punishments are not very long. People are used to be somebody murdered somebody, they got hung or get went to the electric chair. Now they murder somebody, they may be out in eight years. You know, it's not very long for taking away, taking away someone's life. Um, juveniles who murder somebody may be out in a couple of years. They may go to juvie, uh, murder somebody at 16, be out at 18 and may not get sentenced beyond that. We have people, somebody took a shot at the current mayor, punched a hole through his jacket. You know, the, if not for poor marksmanship, the mayor would be, uh, be dead, and that guy was out on the street within 24 hours, you know, with, with on on parole. So, or excuse me, on bail, because another organization came in and made their made his bail for him. That just that was not the case in America 30 years ago. Tended, you know, the idea was if you did the crime, you're going to do the you're going to do the time. We're going to arrest you. We're going to keep you in jail so you can't hurt anybody else. And that's not what we're practicing in America now. Even in our schools, they have this concept called restorative justice. Uh, if you assault your teacher. Instead of being expelled from school, as you should be, you're brought back in to look at the teacher and say, sorry, and then you go take your chair again and continue to misbehave. Uh, we had 592 weapons, deadly weapons, confiscated in Louisville Public Schools last year. You know how many expulsions we had? Zero. Not a single kid expelled for bringing deadly weapons to school. 500-plus weapons. 592 deadly weapons, yep. And none were expelled. Not a one expelled. So... Forty years ago, what what would what what did kid get expelled for? A lot less than that. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. So you know now we're having to put weapons detectors in the schools to keep kids from uh, bringing them to school. We're having people come on the adults come on the bus and commit assault. Uh, you know these uh, altercations from the neighborhood that have a gang flavor to them are being brought into the schools, being brought to the bus stop, being brought on the bus with adults being involved. And we gotta we gotta put a lid on this. You know, our society is fraying at the edges, it's gonna fall apart. I, I don't think people realize and or understand wh- how important this governor's race is and how important the president's uh, position is. Even though this is not a presidential election, you know, this year, it's coming. Well, since two thousand and three, the outcome of the Kentucky governor's race has predicted the party of the one that wins the presidential race the next year. So all eyes are on Kentucky this year. There's only three governor elections in America, um, and Kentucky is the one that's most in contest. And there's a very high probability that who wins this race will win the national race because that will change the direction some of the talking heads are talking about for the next year. They'll say this party has momentum or that party has momentum based on what happens in Kentucky. So I can't express enough how important it is for you if you care about what happens to your life and your 
family and your possessions that you get out and, and vote. Get out and vote your values. The, the, don't, don't sit it out. Don't stay on the couch. The, uh, tell our listeners, just in, here in the state of Kentucky, the last governor's election, um, how close it was. Okay, so the last governor's election was just over 5,000 votes statewide. That's a third of a percent. That's like, you know, one and a half votes per precinct statewide. That's a crazy small margin. And matter of fact, because of some laws we've passed recently, if that had happened today, there would be an automatic manual recount if anything, within a half a percent. So um, election officials are fond of praying to God on the day of the election, may the winners win big. (laughs) Because when elections are close, it gets ugly. Uh, There's people in the legislature that have won or lost by a single vote. And actually under the Constitution, if if it's a tie, you flip a coin to decide who takes the seat. So uh, you don't want elections that close. If if you're going to win, win big. When, when beyond the margin of cheating, when beyond the margin of error, um, you know, when by, don't win by a quarter percent, when by three, four, five percent or 10. And uh, we, we need to see a movement of the people. Get, get out and vote. That's all I can say. Uh, if, you, if you care about what happens to yourself, your future, your children, your possessions, get out and vote your values. Get out and vote your values. Get out and vote for righteousness. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. So we're going to take a break, come back for a fourth and final segment, talk a little bit more about politics and the local and national scene here on Solid Steps Radio. Hadley Sign Solutions. Owner Chris Hadley has 35 years experience in design, manufacturing, and the installation of commercial exterior electrical signage. He can help promote your business in Kentucky and Southern Indiana. Call him at 502-419-7228. That's 419-7228. Or you can email him at HadleySignSolutions at gmail.com. That's HadleySignSolutions. Dan Hart Financial, if you want to retire or want to talk about retirement, whether you're a year away or 20 years away, Dan Hart can sit down, come up with your plan that you uh, need to have, or talk about your plan that you have in place and see if it's a good fit. Dan Hart Financial. So this is our fourth and final segment talking about the political scene here in Kentucky and our local uh, elections and how it affects the national so, John, talk to our listeners about the, this whole this whole new movement. Just recently, I mean, it's been building, um, but this whole transgender and a young ten year old boy can think he's um, you know can think he's a girl or vice versa. A girl thinks she's a boy, and and there's politicians, people who are in government who are promoting this. Absolutely, they are. It's a crazy thing, and it's kind of come on us suddenly and, and for a long time building up, but then all at once. And uh, this notion that your teacher might ask you, what are your pronouns? What do you want to be called? Do you want to be a boy or a girl? I mean, that's not a question I ever pondered as an elementary student, <laughs> and no, nobody really should. Uh, this you know unscientific notion that uh, you know gender is randomly assigned by birth, and they may have gotten it wrong. Well, you know, for 99.99% of the population, it's pretty obvious you know, which gender you are. And, uh, you know, it's uh, the idea that it's fluid is crazy. Um, you know, that, it, that you can change genders is crazy. And people are 
not just promoting that, not just practicing that as adults, but they're pushing it on children. They're pushing children to be confused about that. They're uh, pushing teachers to push children to be confused about that. And now in California, they've even gone so far as to say, if you're in a divorce hearing and one of the parents wants to let their little boy transition into a little girl and the other one doesn't, that one loses custody. Okay, so it's, uh, you know, you can, you know, they're criminalizing even speaking against this in some other countries. So it's, I think, I think it was Mark Twain that said when the end of the world comes, he wants to be in Kentucky because everything happens here 20 years later. <laughs> so <laughs> we're, we're kind of at the tail end of this, but it's here now. Okay, and so our current governor posed in the Capitol one day with some fellas that were dressed up as I don't even know what to, what to call them, very strange-looking looking kind of like perverted nuns, and they called themselves the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And they were wearing high heels and makeup and had some almost, uh, you know, devil, Satan priest, nun kind of kind of get up on. And, and uh, somebody questioned him about that picture, and he said, I would ab- absolutely take that picture again, you know, posed with these guys. You know, it's one thing to allow the public to have access to the Capitol and come in and protest. That's fine. But I don't go pose with people whose values I'm diametrically opposed to. So if you're posing and saying, I gladly take that picture again, you're kind of giving a tacit endorsement to that. And again, the current governor's education secretary, or excuse me, education commissioner said, if you're not on board with transgenderism and you're a teacher, you need to find another job. So that's, that's an unequivocal policy statement. Folks, we need to vote and we need to vote for the right candidate. And the one who is closely, what, what I like uh, Pastor Ken Eidelman says, is closely or is closer to biblical principles, closer to righteousness than the other, than the other side. And right. not only do we have to do that, but I, I, I just encourage you, you have to encourage your wife, your, your spouse, your kids, and beyond, your friends, your neighbors, you need to go out. John, when you ran for office, I did something that I'd never done before. I walked my whole neighborhood with you, all six foot six, uh, <laughs> 300 pounds of you. And, uh, folks, I, we have to do that. I got, a, I got a question, though, for John. John, what do you find is the most effective way to get people to get the vote out? Personal contact, no, no question. Uh, I try to... I'll get people always on the night before election or even the night of the, uh, even on election day calling and say, who do we vote for tomorrow? <laughs> you know, I haven't studied it. Give me a cheat sheet. But I try to call my friends. I text my friends. Did you vote yet? When are you going to vote? Um, I would tell people now we do have an option to vote early on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday before the election. The lines are shorter. It's no big deal. If you wait till election day, you might get sick. You might have a flat tire. Something, your dog could die. Bad things happen. We can't be 98% effective on election day. We got to get in and vote early. So I would encourage, especially if you're have the opportunity, if you're older, if you're retired, go vote the first day you can Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's a painless experience. We've changed the laws. So not a single one of those votes will be looked at or counted until 6 PM on election day. So you don't have to worry about that. We're voting a hundred percent on paper in Kentucky. Uh, we've got provisions in place for eyeball audits afterwards. If anything goes wrong. So your, your vote is as secure as we can make it. Uh, but, but, you know, go for it early. So nothing happens on election day. Uh, there's all, but I, but I call my friends, I text my friends and I say, do you have a plan to vote? Have you gone to vote? This is important. Here's why you should vote. Here's who, you, who here's who you should vote for. Sure. I mean, most of the time they know who to vote for. They just are, are not going to do it. They're like, oh, I'm busy that day. Or, you know, we we're going out of town. Well, if you're going out of town, there's an absentee process. You know, you can go get an absentee ballot. You can, uh, 
vote early absentee. You can have, you know, two, two separate weeks in which voting takes place. So there's really not a good excuse to not vote unless you just don't care. Yeah. John, talk to our listeners about where you get good, solid information from media. Okay, so as we were talking about this before, I said if you're walk, turning on the TV at night and you're thinking, I just have 30 minutes, I want this news show to fill me in on what's going wrong, I would urge you not to watch anybody's network news. Uh, every minute you spend watching network news, you're getting stupider and stupider. <laughs> if you, Because uh, they're actually not just uninforming you, they're intentionally misinforming you. And they are pushing you in a direction. And when you start seeing the narrative pushing so hard for you to feel one way or another, you could be pretty sure that's not the way you want to go because that's where they're being pushed by government. You know, we've uncovered that there's collusion between the government and the media and social uh, social media empires to suppress certain information, advance other information. So find an information source you can trust. Uh, I read the uh, Epoch Times every day. It's a, I get a little email newsletter from them. That's a group of people who's... Uh, the founders had their families murdered in China as dissidents, and they came to America. They love this country, and they have a very traditional newspaper. I read Kentucky Today. It's an email newsletter free from the uh, Kentucky Baptist Convention. That's a great source. I've got um, – look for people who identify with you in terms of values, uh, that, and you've determined that they're trustworthy in what they say, and look at the newsletters they put out. I mean, just if you were looking for a preacher to listen to on the radio, you'd want to make sure that they were – Reading the Bible or preaching the truth. You know, it's the same thing with news. You want somebody who's going to tell you the truth. Um, you know, the Bible says that, uh, you know, those from Berea were more noble than those at Thessalonica because they searched the Scripture every day to see if what we were telling them is true. And I think you need to be doing that with your news sources. And that's that's spelled E-P-O-C-H. That's correct. Yes. Yeah, Epoch Times. And I do spend 10 bucks a month on that. It's well worth it. I don't get a commission, but <laughs> that's the, the best news source i found. And I get alerts on my phone from them all day from that. When you say not network news, ABC, NBC, CBS, uh, e- even even the Fox newsroom, people think that's far right. It's barely moderate. Barely moderate. And the most important thing in news is not the people on screen that are telling you the story. It's the people you don't see in the editorial room, you know, the 1% of the news staff that's making the decision on what stories to cover and what stories to not cover. And, uh, you know, Recently, I think the most popular newscaster or opinion piece in America, Tucker Carlson, got kicked off for covering the wrong topics. So, wow, uh, that, that's what you don't see behind the news. We got to go out and vote. We need to follow the word of God as close as we can and vote for solid people who are going to embrace biblical values. Amen. John, thanks so much for coming on. Great to be here, guys. Uh, I really appreciate it. Would you pray for us? Sure. All right, Lord, you've put us in a complicated world and there's so many difficult things we have to deal with. And I just pray that you would give us uh, your wisdom, uh, that we'd consert, consult your word and find out who you, how you want this world governed and what you meant when you gave Adam dominion and how we're supposed to take dominion. And just help us do all things with our thoughts and our actions and even our votes in, in concert with and pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, give us wisdom, you know, and that, and that the great prayer, you know, give us wisdom, give us insight, give us, give us knowledge, give us understanding, help us not to be swayed. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. That's, I mean, that's our, that's our country headed that way. So thanks so much again for coming on, John. Appreciate it.
you know, I see this quote here that says, bad officials are elected by good citizens who don't vote. So not voting, if you complain about who's in office, which we have the freedom to do, we're going to complain anyway. We are a complaining people. We like to complain about a lot of things. But if you don't like who's in office and you didn't vote, I'm sorry. I just don't know how much of a voice that we can have to complain. So go out and vote. And if anything else, for any other reason, we are a free country, and there are very few, uh, there's a lot of countries that are free. But how many people around the world don't get a chance to vote? We do. Go vote. Thanks for listening to Solid Steps. We're there, we stand.